Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hello, everyone. It's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the three questions with Andy Richter, wherever you get your podcast now. New episodes every Tuesday. Ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram comment section. Leave them on your Twitter or leave them on your Facebook. We'll see them. Do you remember the um, the theme song for Land of the Lost that was on ABC? No, I don't. I don't know those words, but I can't. I don't know that show. Do you remember the show? It was like a family that like fell through a crack in the earth and fell back in time somehow to prehistoric like dinosaur times. Mm-mm. Okay, well, the theme song <laughs> is always in my head. And it's so much in my head that I'll sing it out loud. And now Noah sings part of it, but I don't know if he remembers the show, but it's basically about going back in time. And it's like, something to do. see the triple moon, but don't you turn your back. You'll become a snack. That's the part that we, cause some Tyrannosaurus could be hungry for us. <laughs> something, something. Now we've crossed the line, fallen through time, living in the land of the lost. Land of the Lost. So the part that gets echoed in my house is like, don't you turn your back. You become a snack. It's mostly just, you become a snack, which my daughter will sing. Now I've passed it on to her. Oh, you no. Will now there's three of you doing this. Oh, boy. Anyways, someone listening to this will be like, I remember. I remember. There was like a hot cave girl who had like a normal like name, like Sasha. <laughs> Do you Somehow remember? she spoke English. <laughs> Do you remember that in Mannequin, the, the plot is- that- Krista. Oh, it was Krista. Krista. Kim Cattrall was like an Egyptian princess and she gets brought into the future as a mannequin. Oh, is that what the beginning of it was? Yeah, that's, that's where the living mannequin came from is that she was like an Egyptian princess and their castle was under siege or something like their pyramid, something was up. I don't remember that part. I just, I always thought it was like a low-key commentary on men and real dolls. <laughs> All right, we're ready. Yeah. I'm in my office. Tian Fu is chasing a fly. You're going to get it. I just know it. With your little split peach head. (laughs) And it's a nice, quiet Sunday here in Los Angeles, and we're ready to give you all the dulcet tones of advice that you're craving. Ready to kick it into high gear. Hi, Eliza and Emily. 
Longtime listener, first time question asker. I am 30, female. I am the maid of honor for my sister, 28, female's wedding. She's sweet and bubbly and kind to everyone. However, my family threw my sister an engagement party and to my annoyance, a woman came in white. I know that this is just the engagement party, but I feel like this is a low-key warning of who will try it, wear white, to my sister's wedding. The culprit was her fiance's aunt, and it was a full white outfit, white dress, white shoe, white fedora. (laughs) Super ugly and desperate. Her boobs were out. No slut shaming, but girly pop is older, probably early 50s, and this is a family party. I have DDs, and I totally know the struggle, but I know when to rock a deep V neckline, and that was not it. I tried talking about this with mom. I suggested we talk to her and remind her that white needs to be avoided for the wedding. She brushed me off and said she doesn't want to cause problems for my sister, but I know my sister is bothered by this. I was thinking for the bridal shower invites, we write, bride wears white, dress code is cute and colorful. Let's celebrate the bride. I'm also going to be talking to my sister about how to navigate this as her happiness is my first priority. What do you think? Am I being crazy or is my intuition justified? Do you have any ideas of how to talk to this lady? Thanks. So your issue is that she's she may wear white to the bridal shower and, and the you're not wedding. About the wedding and the wedding. But I think the bridal um, shower is before first. Look, here is this has always felt weird to me because when you are the bride, no one is eclipsing you. Mm. It doesn't matter except for I think it was Kendall Jenner wore like an out of bounds, ridiculous dress to someone else's wedding. And obviously the bride wasn't as hot as her. It was like three pieces of gauze. And it was like, but then again, you invited a mega celebrity model to your wedding. It's a regular civilian wedding, especially a woman. It's not that you can't be attractive when you're older, but like, especially an older woman who's wearing a fedora, like people might be gawking or something, but like, for some reason, some people don't get the memo about not wearing white. Some people think they should. We all know you shouldn't do it. It's not going to detract from the bride. Nothing, she can come in a hot dog suit. Like it's her day. People are focused on her. It doesn't matter. It really, really doesn't. And I think this feeds the narrative that another woman can steal your sunshine when you really make your own. What I hate about that is it's always about another woman like wanting attention on the day. If that's how you got to get it, then that's sad. And people will think it's sad. No one's going to be like, but did you see that other woman in white? That was a classy move. So I appreciate that you're protecting your sister. Put that on the invitation. And maybe the woman doesn't show up wearing it. It doesn't mean that she, somebody won't do it at the wedding. But at the end of the day, it truly doesn't matter. And if you really want the last word, you can go up to the photographer and say, do not take a picture of that woman. Yeah, I think that I never thought about it like that. You're so right that no one actually cares except I think the only piece that there is to care about is just it's disrespectful. It's rude. It's like, why do you come on? Why are you doing this to me? I mean, but no one else my cares. Brother has an ex girlfriend who wore white to my, what's it called? The dinner before the out of towner dinner. Oh, the rehearsal dinner. Sorry, yeah, the rehearsal dinner. And she wore like a flower wreath in her hair. And looking back, like she's not the best person, but in the moment, I kind of just took it as she really didn't know better. Like I didn't, yeah. I was like, I don't sweat you. Like if that's what you got to do, but I didn't, I didn't think it was 
pointed? Are you do you are you that simple that you really feel uh, attention can be taken away from you? Like, are you that unexceptional on your wedding day that someone else wearing white? What if she was wearing off white? What if she wore cream? Like, you have enough to focus on that day. Boobs out fedora lady is going to be dressed tacky and that's going to be distracting if it's white or not white, but it doesn't affect her, the bride. And it's a fun, it's a fun common enemy. It's someone to make fun of. And that's the greatest wedding gift of all. So put it on the invite, hope for the best, but you know, yeah, it could have been like, she's like, I got these huge tits. I had nothing else to wear. (laughs) I thought it was like celebratory. She didn't wear it to the wedding. My hat includes my head like Danny DeVito and Matilda. I can't take my fedora off. And then she ended up gluing it to him. (laughs) The fact that she wore a fedora should tell you everything you need to know about this woman. (laughs) But also like, just like everything else with your wedding, whether it's an unhinged caterer or a cake baker who bakes in a layer of chocolate ganache when you specifically said you don't like chocolate or a friend who abandons you at your wedding because she took too many drugs and alcohol. You do what you can to plan and it's just going to be what it's going to be. It will not be absolutely perfect because if it were, it wouldn't be your wedding but you're right to protect your sister. Okay. Hey, Ask Eliza crew. Love the show. Brief gush. I've been following your career since freezing hot and that episode of This Is Not Happening, my current fiance, friend I had a huge crush on at the time, told me about Lion Brian because the story was identical to the tool I was dating back then. Loved seeing you at the Joy Theater in New Orleans for Unveiled. I was able to slide you a painting of Blanche and you said I, quote, captured her shine. Oh, I'm sure it's hanging. I wish... I wonder which one it was. I think it's... Do you think you know which it is? Mm. I don't know. There's a bunch in here. It's like (laughs) I'm in a mausoleum dedicated to her. All right, go on. So this question is on dog grief. Not long before you lost Blanche, we lost our great Dane Brutus to bone cancer. He passed away at the hospital after surgery after a few months of making hard decisions about his well-being. We weren't planning to get another, but you know how that goes. Two weeks later, this precious freckle baby, velvet snoot day named Tank needed a home. He was perfect and had that kind of bond with us that a grateful rescue with a rough past has with the perfect family. He was rehomed five times before us, and you can tell he was abused. He warmed up quickly and was a huge piece of our lives who loved us and his three kitties. We understood when we got him at age four that we may not have as long with him considering their lifespan, but he turned 10 this January and aside from arthritis, was in great health. This Tuesday, he passed away unexpectedly, likely due to a blood clot to the brain. He was fine that morning, but all of a sudden was almost unresponsive and unable to get up or walk. He could hear us and sometimes pick his head up, but that was it. We had to physically carry him to the car. The vet tried to stabilize him, but he stopped breathing. Vet and techs were absolute beasts and worked on him with us in the room trying to save him. They were unable. This all happened in about an hour. My question is this. I am still recovering from my first Dane that passed. I have dreams about him on the regular and cry about him like quarterly at a minimum. I know these things take time, but we've been a mess with Tank passing. With Brutus, even though his death was terrible, we had time to prepare and make peace with it. Tank's death was so sudden and awful, we are both in shock. I don't know how to handle this big grief all over again. I definitely don't see myself getting another dog for a while. And even though we have our three cats, we're both devastated over losing our boy. What's y'all's best advice for dealing with grief over losing your dog? He was such a huge presence in our lives emotionally and physically. I just don't know what to do besides talk my therapist's face off about it. Every piece of advice or mantra to get through this just feels like a platitude at this point. Then we have a picture of Tank attached. We miss him so much. 
Love listening to y'all while I get ready for work and can't wait to catch you on the Hard Feelings Tour. Hope to see you swing through Louisiana. And Tank is very, very cute. Sweet boy. Two things. One, it's okay to be sad about the first dog. And it's okay if you are still sad about the first dog and feel like you can't grieve the second dog. I think the second dog came along to help lighten your heart a little bit about Brutus, but because his death was so untimely and it happened so fast, you didn't have time to prepare. It just feels like it's happening all over again. And it reopened a wound and you realize you still aren't healed from the other one. So it is a little bit of a lesson about like not rushing in to get another pet. Everybody's different. but. It's not about platitudes. It's It hurts because also a Great Dane, as you said, like physically is a huge presence. Like that's missed in the house because it took up so much space. I would hold for yourself, maybe you and your partner, I forgot if you said you were married. I would hold like a little funeral for both of them. And I would get out, I would write out everything you want to say to both because you do want to, like you don't want the one that died to feel like he was just a placeholder. I always think about that with Tian Fu. I'm like, I hope she knows how much I love her and she's not Blanche's replacement. And it took me a while to figure out the kind of love I have for her. And I'm always wanting her to feel special. You can also pour so much of that love and attention into your cats. I know it's not the same. Like when Blanche died and we were in Tokyo, I went to a hedgehog cafe so I could hold an animal. And you know what is not the same as holding your wife's body? is holding a hedgehog with a glove on and feeding it mealworms. (laughs) But anytime I feel like, anytime I, I don't know, I feel like I'm too busy. I just try to love on Tianfu more. So pour some of it into your cats and hold a little service for both dogs. That way you can get things out and you can like send it out there. That's what I would do. I, I also think even if, you know, you feel like this happened to Brutus and then you got Tank and then it happened... Something horrible happened. Imagine how good the rest of Tank's life, and you know how good the rest of Tank's life was. He was abused. He had been gone. He had gone to five different homes, and then he spent his last years with you, happy, having the best day. Like, as hard as it is for you, you made like the sacrifice of now dealing with this grief so that he could have such a good life. But yeah, those dogs are meant to live like two weeks at the most. (laughs) It's like so the fact that you got got so much mileage out of him. Like your love is what helped him to live longer. And it, you know what? <sighs> I hate to say this, but like, it's better that he went quickly. Those dogs are huge. It can be a long, painful death. That's why they shoot horses in the head. I know you don't want to hear that oh right God. now because it's so, because the bigger you are, the harder it is. So, so do what I said. Yeah. Sit yep. Shiva for your, for your dog, but do yeah. it in your, probably, probably not Jewish way. Cause you had great dance. Not a Jewish dog. Okay. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, and they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable, and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute, and when she's done with it, 
it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six dials, but right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Hi, female, 28, longtime listener and fan. My husband's friends decided to go on a trip to the wine country in Texas together. And it, you have wine country in yeah. Texas? Yeah, okay. it's called, I've been there, uh, okay. like San Mateo or something. All right, we're going. And invited a couple that would be bringing along their three-month-old newborn. I have been the cool. only one doing cool research. wine trip. <laughs> and trying to book reservations at these wineries. I found most of these wineries either do not allow infants and children on the premises or they are not allowed at the tastings but can be on the premises. This yeah. limits where we can go and basically eliminates any of the nicer vineyards. I've given all this information to my husband's friends multiple times, but we are less than a month out and no one wants to confirm where they want to go. I've given them many kid-friendly vineyards to choose from, but less than a month out and nothing has been booked. I'm debating on not going at this point because I do not want to get up there and not be able to go to any of these tastings and waste my money and time on the hotel. What should I do at this point? Should I just book tastings for my husband and I and tell them they can join if they want? Extra, there are seven people going plus a baby, which makes it impossible for us to just walk in for a tasting without booking. All couples are married except my husband's brother, who is not bringing anyone. 
anonymous. Okay, wait. Are you the one in charge of planning all of this? It sounds like she has taken over, plan- like, looking into all these wineries. And she's like, hey, 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 guys, your baby can't come. Your baby can't come. Here's where your baby can go. And they're just like, eh, uh, uh, uh. It's really tough uh, because you don't have kids or you don't have the baby. And with that comes the freedom of doing whatever the fuck you want to do. And this isn't like you're going with your sister and her kids. It's not like you're going to Disneyland and there's some things you can't do. This is an adult thing. And it's a little selfish because it's like you have this baby that probably needs to sleep most of the day and has its own schedule. So they might be going knowing or not knowing that they won't be available for a lot of it, or maybe they're getting a sitter. But I think what you should do is get on that email thread and just be like, hey, first of all, totally book stuff for you and your husband. Yes. It's not on you to plan for them. Book stuff. But it's like, so you don't want to just go with you and your husband. I would put it, CC, like the whole email that you had and be like, hey, you guys, we're getting down to it. I am making reservations at these three vineyards. Unfortunately, they don't allow kids. So Rashida, Bobrick, if you guys want to join us forever or make your own plans, that's totally cool. But I'm going to go ahead and book these. If anyone has any input, let me know. Because it's really annoying that they couldn't get back, you know, and be like, if you guys want to get a sitter, let us know. We can add it, but I need to make this reservation today. Like, just be like, here's what I'm doing. And if they say anything, you'd be like, you never said anything back. It's really shitty. Right. I, I mean, I even there's the option of like, let's say you're going three days. You say, I would love to see this vineyard day one, this vineyard day two, and this kid-friendly vineyard day three. Like... If you were making a wine tasting reservation, I really feel like if you do it for four people, you could probably add another two. Like if it's, it's like when you book a table for three at a restaurant, there's no such thing as a three top. It's actually a four top. So I think there's room within that. Well, because they're maybe at five. Let's, they're at five and then the two parents and the baby. So, but you we need always, everyone to agree. I mean, yeah, but like even if, I mean, are there some vineyards that allow babies that you do want to go to? But it's like, this is your trip too. You should not have to deal with the fact that they have a kid. Maybe they are getting a sitter. I don't know how close you are, but you could always send a text and be like, hey, we're trying to get this booked. How are you guys feeling? Do you want to get a sitter? Do you have some vineyards that you want to go to? Mm -hmm. You also do not have to spend the whole trip with these people. Right. And and if anyone says anything, be like, I tried multiple times. Nobody reached out. So I just booked stuff. Right. Especially because there's- so many other people that aren't saying anything, not just the parents. What about everyone That's else? That's exactly right. I just booked stuff. I figured y'all had your own plans. Oh, yeah. But make sure you really did try and reach out. It wasn't just like one text that maybe they missed or something. Right. But that's annoying. This is not the first time we've heard about someone like trying to make plans and nobody's answering. People are going to be so rude. So just make your plans. I bet you they don't even end up going. I right. bet you they actually don't end up going in the end and you will have made all these plans around them. Mm-hmm. Do what works for you. Yeah. You can also make the reservation if you're not like paying per head ahead of time because you have to drink wine, make the reservation including them and then just cancel it because it's only two people. Right. You're still all tasting wine. Be like, I went ahead and included you. I don't know if you guys want to get a sitter. Let me know. Right. These, and I included like, well, we you. Can't. This mm-hmm. one doesn't allow babies. Here are the few that don't allow babies. And I, I thought my job to plan the whole thing. That way, if they're like, well, we actually can't be like, okay. And then you'll just let the vineyard know two people won't be coming. But it's still, what, five other people. It's still yeah. plenty of people. Right. Hi, yeah, it's fine. Hi, Lizing crew. 
Big fan. On my fifth re-listen to all the podcasts, I'm in a bit of an emotional war zone. I'm selling. 30, female, and live in Wales with my boyfriend, 33. We've been together for six years. Everything is wonderful there. We've been through some tough times, health scares, etc., as well as some of the most incredible moments of our lives together. No complaints there. It's when it comes to his dad, things get complicated. His dad is completely and utterly obsessed with him, and it's stifling. His behavior ticks a lot of the love-bombing characteristics, i.e. excessive affection, calling him my boy frequently, deep internal cringe. He's 33. Intense attention with constant messages and uninvitedly visiting him at work. Inordinate grand gestures, intense compliments, boundary pushing, idealization, and a need for constant validation from my boyfriend. To an outsider, he's the ultimate selfless dad, but I can see it's a guy's. I can see it makes my boyfriend feel awful. After every time we see him, you can feel the dark, tense clouds surrounding him and he has a meltdown. Some minor things will trigger it and he'll explode, basically turning into a moody teenager. This literally only ever happens after interacting with his dad. I'm stuck dealing with the aftermath whilst his dad is completely unaware of the chaos he's caused. I can feel his dad trying to emotionally compete with me to love him more or the best, and it's unbearable. I'm not interested in being drawn into that boxing match. He's even gone as far as admitting when first meeting me of thinking, who is this girl taking my place and brushing it off as a joke? Ugh. How can I help my boyfriend set healthy boundaries and get his dad to back off? I for sure do not want to get in the middle, but I will stand my ground. Help. Dialch Selen. I don't think I said that right. Selen. No, it's definitely the Welsh language is mysterious (laughs) and difficult. It's probably, what was it? Dialch? It's probably pronounced like Thitter. (laughs) I'm literally looking at a Welsh flag on my wall and it's spelled C Y M R U and that's pronounced Gomri. So fuck off. Well, it's so hard. Uh, Selen is probably pronounced. Kellen. Or, or le plule. Oh, and Dialch is thank you. How are you? So? It's not pronounced, it's not Dialch. It's probably Horthy. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland. Like what is up is down. Dialch. Error. You put it in Google Translate and it's yeah. just, it just breaks. <laughs> um, this. That's a noise they make. Okay, listen. <laughs> There's listen. two issues here. Two issues. Did the dad sexually abuse the kid? Like, is there... Because for him to get that upset, you said love bombing, but love bombing is when you obsessively dote on someone and then take it away. So right. are you using love bombing incorrectly or does he also do that? Um, is the dad a widow? Is the dad single? He sounds single. Seems whether like by there's not a mom. Or divorce. Yeah. It could be the dad, is he retired? Like, is the son the dad, is the son all that the dad has? I'm not excusing it. I'm just trying to get to like the psychological bottom of it. For your son to, for, I'm sorry, your son, Jesus Christ. For your husband, your boyfriend, to be this upset, there's something underneath it. The fact that he isn't just like, yeah, that's just my dad. The fact that he's that upset, I'm missing a component of this. I am a little... Not frustrated, but there's an element here where you're saying, oh, he's calling him my boy, but he's 33 years old. Okay, by the same token, he's 33 year old. He should set his own boundaries with his dad. Well, that's what I was going to get into. Maybe this kid has been babied and you're mad at the dad 
but the kid is not, he's taking it out, not on you, but he's throwing this temper tantrum. Afterward, he needs to sit down with his dad. First of all, the competing thing, you can just ignore it. Like, you know, that's not what's happening. You can chalk it up to the dad just probably being lonely. This is very weird. This is usually stuff that like a mom does. Yeah. But it sounds like the dad, I think you should pity the dad a little bit because he doesn't have anything else going on. Your boyfriend needs to plainly put it to the dad. And you need to empower him to do that because what's bothering you is that he's so upset and you kind of have to deal with it. You have to deal with the emotional fallout after these visits. Right. And you're not dating the dad. So it's like, you need to talk to your boyfriend and say, hey, the way you treat me after you see your dad is not okay. Like, this is a boyfriend problem, not a dad problem. You're not standing up to him. And then I have to deal with the emotional ramifications of this. And that's difficult for me because you're upset and you're not explaining yourself. So he's calling you my boy, which is fine, whatever, but you're acting like a child. Yeah. And it could be that he has explained it to the dad and the dad doesn't hear it. But it's up to him to set those bounds, boundaries and then you kind of just support him. Right, right. But he can't take but it yeah, out you, on you. It doesn't matter what his boundaries look like with his dad. That is separate from his relationship with you. You don't want to be around like an emotional wreck every time the dad interjects, which is often. But I'm wondering why it's so upsetting. Does it represent something deeper? Did he used to abuse him? Is it true love bombing where the dad then disappears? If it is, you didn't include that in the question. Um I think also having like a modicum of compassion for a man that feels very sad might help a little bit, but it's got to start with your husband, whatever. The guy in your life whose relationship with you, I can't seem to get straight. Your boy. You got to, your boy's got to say something. Yeah. Also, wouldn't be the worst thing if you and the dad went out for a pint. The dad is like definitely not interested. The dad's like, you're the new woman. I was the woman. He get out of here. He made a fucking bad joke. It might be good to reacquaint, just to be like, you know, it might be worth it just so it's like, hey, we're friends. We both love this guy. Not, you know, you could even say to him, like, you made this joke at the beginning, but I just want to let you know, like, we've been together six years. I love your son, but you, I want you guys to have your own thing. Right. We're trying to fuck him. All right. Next <laughs> Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hello, everyone. It's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the three questions with Andy Richter, wherever you get your podcast now. New episodes every Tuesday. Hi, Lies and gang. Love the pod and the jokes you always make about Emily. After more than a year of yeah. listening to your sound advice. Yeah. <laughs> I desperately yeah. need your help with a coworker issue. 
EQ MMA voiceover. I'm a 27-year-old female. Dutch, meaning I'm tall, six foot one, and blonde. Very into working out, and I care about my looks. I started working six foot Six foot one metric or imperial? I guess I wouldn't use feet. I guess you wouldn't say feet. All right, go on. If you have many meters, what, two meters, three meters? Thank you for converting it to our... <laughs> Rarely used system. Go on. I started working at this company a couple of months ago and got friendly with a coworker there from day one. She is 29 years old, small and overweight. She knits her own jumpers and always looks a bit dirty with greasy hair and stains on her clothing. Let's call her Kelly. Oh, no. Let's call her... <laughs> like, we'll call, we'll call her Emily. <laughs> All right. At first, I was simply friendly with her, but noticed that she tried to pull me away from other colleagues after my first month. It didn't seem like a big deal at first as she would ask to go outside for lunch, go for a walk. Yep. Since I was new, trying to be nice and loved to go outside, I would go with her. However, she would be so negative all the time and tell me how colleagues yeah. were trying to sabotage her and make her look bad by deleting yep. her work and shared spreadsheets. She would also tell me that people were jealous of her and everyone disliked her because she was so much more intelligent. Outside of work, she would also try to meet up with me and would send me so many messages and TikToks. I never really believed her stories and thought she was simply over-exaggerating. And after about a month of this negativity, I tried to spend less and less time with her. As you say, do the LA thing and be, quote, too busy or, quote, have a deadline I can't miss. <laughs> I have been creating a distance between her and me for the last two months, which has helped me mentally significantly. And I've been able to create a better business relationship with other colleagues. Now, here is the thing I need your help with. Last week, a colleague came over to me asking me if I was okay. I didn't quite get what she meant. When I asked her why she would think that, she told me that Kelly had gone over to her and some other colleagues and was concerned for me and my well-being as yep. I had seemed yep. off to her for the last few weeks. She thought it would be mm. good to look out for me and inform my boss that I seemed different. I could only laugh and say that I was simply super busy with work but doing good. The part that I need your help with is, should I go tell my boss that his colleague Kelly has been telling people that she's concerned for my well-being? Since she likes to make up over-exaggerated stories, I'm scared that she will make up weird stories. Can't wait for your advice and to see you in Amsterdam in December. Much love. Yes, Jenna from Amsterdam. 6-1 Jenna. Yes, see you at AFAS Live. Amsterdam, December 3rd. That's, God, the Dutch bring the heat or a place that's mostly cold. I Amsterdam shows are always like thick, hot European fire. So here's what happened. A fucking weirdo worked at your company and she was in her own little weird spider web. And then this six foot one prom queen comes along who has been untampered with and unbrainwashed by company culture. And everyone knows that the, the jumper making weirdo is a weirdo. <laughs> So she latched onto you because you probably not in a malicious way because you were fresh meat. And then you slowly started to see why people don't like her. Now, I don't know what came first. I don't know if she, she probably is very smart, but is probably a bit of a weirdo. And so I don't know if people started not liking her because she's weird or if she's weird. So people started not liking her, but she exaggerates. She's dramatic and she's negative. And we see this a lot in company culture where you have someone that like makes up stuff. Her noticing that you've pulled away rather than being self-aware and being like, yeah, she doesn't like me. It could have come from a good place. Actually, I take it back. It didn't. Her noticing you pulled away rather than internalize that and be like, oh, I guess it's just me. She decided to blow up your shit and she decided to make you pay for it. That is what happened. And even if that's not what happened, it is completely inappropriate, unwork-related to go to your superior 
to try to make it look like you have a mental condition. So the only way to deal with this is to call her in and your boss and to say, I would like to know what you said to my boss. I would like to know why you're worried for me. And make her in front of your boss say, well, you didn't call me. You'd be like, that is not work-related, nor is it appropriate. And you didn't come to me. You were trying to make it look like there's something wrong with me at work. I You don't have a parent. Just saying. I just you got to nip this beta nerdo behavior in the butt because that is fucked up. Go to your boss first and explain. Don't blindside your Fine. boss with a confrontation with the office weirdo. Go to your boss and say, No, you'd send, it, you'd send it on an Outlook calendar invite. Yeah, but on the Alec calendar, you're not like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna it's get, we're gonna fucking pig's Amsterdam. Blood this they probably go for pale ales and like sit around a tulip circle, and everybody gets healthcare. I don't know. Look, you don't talk to your boss first and clear things up, and then you can decide with your boss. Like, do you want to go to HR about this one? Do you just want to go to this woman? Do you want to meet with this woman with your boss? Like, figure out the way you can do it where it's not just you blindsiding your boss. And your boss is like, I've never heard any of this. I don't know what you're talking about and I don't care. That's a good call. Because this is from a coworker. Who a coworker that- says she's been telling people that she's worried about you. Tell you what, you can go right up to her. Hover over her and her greaseball body. And just be like, I would like to speak with you. Have I done something? Don't even say have I. Be like, I hear that you're going around and telling people you're worried for me. So, but you've said it to everyone but me. What are you worried about? Right. And she will shit herself because people who do weird social things like this have no accountability. So you, I mean, your people are known for being straightforward. Either way, either cover your bases with the boss. That way it can't go any further. And if you really want to blow up her spot, be like, just so you know, I think this girl lies. If you hear anything about me, like it's, we were friends, but I found her attitude to be negative. So I kind of stopped hanging out with her and I think she's taken it the wrong way. But I think you will put the fear of God in her if you go up to her and you'll be like, you seem to be okay with telling everyone but me that you're worried for me. What are you worried about besides me kicking your ass right here on company property? My God, if I was sitting there and six one Dutch came up to me like, what have you been saying about me? I would just, I would fold. I would start crying. I'd say, what are you worried about? What should I be worried about? It's like, I knitted you a sweater. She'd be like, I didn't say it. And then you can name names, be like, really? And see if Janet, who she said it to, wants to come in with you. You'd be like, that's, I know you have because they came up to me. Right. And I know you went to my boss. Oh, I'm just so, worried about you. What are you worried about? I think even more than what are you worried about? Anything Oh, I thought you personal? were going to role play with me. I got no. so excited. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anything personal you bring up, it is not for the office. It has nothing to do with our colleagues. It has nothing to do with our bosses. Like this is wildly inappropriate. Wildly inappropriate. And I, you're so smart. I expect it better from you. And she'll cry and she'll make it about she something else. Cry. And she'll tell you she has fucking cancer. She'll but say you these, bullied her. These reasons, Yeah. Do it in front of a coworker then. Be like, I have a witness so that you can't lie and say that I did something I didn't do. That's how little I trust you. And if you really yeah. want to give it to her, you'd be like, you don't think, you think people mistreat you. Maybe it's because this is your personality. Like she, you might wreck this girl's life. I'm just saying like, if you want to maybe prevent this from happening to you and other people, you can, t- you can go to the mat on this one. Yeah. Bully her yeah. right back. 
Bully with her. truth on your side, with your Dutch truth sword. Yes. I mean, this is a girl that is so sad and is so desperate for your affection. And much like the dad who's in love with his son, I really can only feel pity for this person, but don't let it fuck up your job. And also, like, it's not your job to fix her. You're beyond that. Like, Mm -mm. people like this only get weirder. Mm, Yeah. I mean, you can end it if you want to get real American about it. You can be like, keep my name out of your mouth. Rent single white female. (laughs) No. Don't do anything Emily says ever. (laughs) Hi, Emily Eliza. Cash here. I'm a 34-year-old African-American male, heterosexual, married with two kids. How's that for your fan demographic? (laughs) It's perfect. It makes me look perfect. Go on, Cash. (laughs) I was introduced to your Netflix specials years ago through my then-girlfriend and now wife and have been a fan ever since. I only learned about your podcast through your guest appearance on another comedian's show. I have since binged it during my commute. My question is regarding inappropriate workplace interactions. For context, I recently started working at a government agency and have enjoyed how much less stress it is than private. In fact, I'd say I love my new job with the exception of one thing. Daily interactions with a coworker who clearly hates her job. She looks and acts a bit like an overweight Jesse Eisenberg in his role from social media. So from the social network. Cool dad. (laughs) This is very much a dad. For whatever reason, she confides in me about her personal life, her body aches, and how much she is not satisfied with her job. None of which alone is the reason why I'm writing to you. On multiple occasions, she's made subtle and blatant racial remarks. The first was regarding a spreadsheet we refer to as the master sheet. Under her breath, she asked me how I feel feel about that word. I confused, asked, which word? She replied, master. Took me several seconds to realize she was making a comment based on my race. It's just a word, was my response. And she said, if I didn't like it, we could change it. On another occasion, she told me her nurse friend said the term code black was used for an active shooter at the hospital, and that didn't seem right. I realized that this person isn't coming from a malicious place, but has a lack of experience with diverse people and maybe people in general. She's from Tennessee. (laughs) Maybe humans overall. (laughs) From Tennessee, grew up in Utah, Mormon. She said she hopes her future husband will be as kind to her as I am. Help, Eliza, do I need to outright tell this woman to stop oversharing and keep the communication of professional conversations only? Or should I speak with my supervisor about these inappropriate exchanges? I'm a private person. We prefer not to blow things up. I just started this job. I really don't feel like I should have to have this discussion. No, it's, look, look. I think this is sort of part of the wokeness, overcorrect, white thing where she is not a racist person, but even in trying to overcorrect and quote unquote, like stand up for you, white savior type, she doesn't realize how that is still putting it on you. Right. Do we live in a world where you can't say master bedroom when you're showing a house? Yes. So she is symptomatic of a large, uncomfortably liberal overcorrect where you as a black man are like, I don't have an issue. Like that is code black. I am a different kind of black. Like it's not the same thing. Um, Right. And I can't relate to that. Uh, in in the way that you can, I will tell you that I've definitely had like a friend who like not makes Jewish jokes, but like brings up the Jewish thing in a way that's like, hey, like 
I know you're Jewish and I'm totally cool with it. And here's something else Jewish. And you're like, I don't need to know that other Jewish people live in that area because it's expensive. Like it's still like you bring it up. I think people do it as a way to show that they aren't racist, but in doing it, it's not that it's racist, but it's just unfair to you. And I'm sure you have dealt with that a lot in addition to a lot of other bullshit. But she's doing that white woman thing where she's being in a, she's treating you like a plaything because she feels safe with you and you're being kind to her. And it's like, I don't know, would you do this to like a white coworker? Like there's, it's a weird way that she's cast you. And I mean, we've all, it's tough. And, it, and some of it does come from lack of exposure to diversity, which of course isn't her fault, but it's also not your fault. And it's not right. your cross to bear. Like you don't have to deal with this. And you do, of course, it's that thing where if you say the wrong thing back, then all of a sudden you're aggressive. I mean, we've all, we've all seen Get Out. We've all, we all know how this goes. I think the first thing you do is cover your bases by going to your superior. Because what you don't want to do is say something to her and then it gets back to your superior. Like, well, he said this to me and you're like, let it, let them know. Like, I'm here to do my job. She's a sweet woman. I would just let them know that that way it's on record. Right. Should she do something wrong? And she may never, in which case, totally fine. And then you say something to her. Be like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, we're at work. I think you're great, but like, I can't be hearing about your personal life. And I think I'm just, in terms of the personal stuff, the black stuff. I don't know how she'd respond to this, but I do wonder if you can tell her when it comes to things like Master Sheet, like, hey, trust that if I have a problem with something, I will bring it up. I, don't I will need tell you, you. To point it out. You know, I, I am well aware of. You could say it with a smile too. You right. can say exactly that. Be like, I, I think you're really trying. I think it's very sweet. But if there is a racial issue, I'm a grown man. I promise I have a lot of experience with standing up for myself and bringing these things up. And uh, you don't have to point out everything to me. You can just right. say that. And in terms of the personal stuff, because we get a lot of questions like this on the podcast. You know, uh, sorry, before I get into that, I do think there is this especially in 2023, this want to show that you're an ally, but you really do have to pick and choose when you do it. And there is the privilege you have as a white woman of being like, I'm going to stand up for this, where if you were a black woman standing up for it, you would be, you would be looked at like you're being a bitch. So there is that white privilege, like in Get Out, which I rewatched on the plane because I think it's the perfect movie, how she's like, I'm going to talk to this cop. He can't just ask you for that. (laughs) And in doing that, you're displaying a weird superiority and you're not trying to, you're trying to help. But I think, I'm guessing as people of color, you're kind of like, hey, like it's good. You're making a thing out of a thing. You can take care of yourself. There's that. That aside, the because we get a lot of questions like this about people like oversharing at work. It's inappropriate and you just need to tell her that. But I would it, tell your boss first. Yeah, I, I, it is interesting. I mean, it's usually not a man. This man must be a very sweet man that she is so comfortable talking to a heterosexual man about her life, her aches, her complaints. Like he's clearly but that's such a nice too. guy, but... Yeah, no, it, you're probably just, good looking. You're a good looking oh. black man and you're other to her. Sorry. That's why she feels safe. Even if she isn't realizing these things there, and you know that it's not malicious, but 
she's, it's an otherness because she's not doing it with other men. Now, maybe you're new to the company and you don't like kind of like our six foot one Dutch friend. You didn't know that she was annoying like this. She's yeah. not the first person to overshare at work. So before we really get into it, like I just fully analyzed it, you just draw that boundary. And if you need uh, a masterclass in how to do that, I suggest you watch the Idris Elba character arc on The Office where he, <laughs> they were all clearly very uncomfortable with him being there. And they never made it about race, which I loved, but he like set these boundaries against these like idiots in The Office and he never yeah. fucked up. He always like towed the line perfectly. You are the Idris Elba of your office. You are the Idris Elba of your office. (laughs) Secretly British. Secretly. Hi, Liz and Emily. Big fan here from Canada. I never miss a week of this podcast and finally have a question to send in. For context, I'm 27 years old and graduated university five years ago when I was 22 undergrad. In a few weeks, I am moving to a completely different province and have been thinking about going back to school when I do. For a last little while, I have not been able to shake this feeling of wanting to go back to school, but I'm feeling really uncertain and anxious. I've been out of school for five years and have worked my way through a job in my field that I initially majored in. I made some progress and have gained some real experience, but I really don't like my job. I just don't see myself staying here long-term and 27 is too young to hate your job and do nothing about it the problem. I have a really big hang up about 27 being too old to go back to school, not following a traditional linear education to career path. There's another job field I really want to get into. And while it's not completely unrelated to what I do now, I would need to go back to school for another two to four years. This were any of my friends, I would support them and tell them who cares what people think. But when it's me, I feel like it's a step backward. I would love Eliza and Emily's take on this. Should I quit my job when I move and do full-blown student mode where I find something part-time and go to school? Should I do the online or part-time school option so I can keep my full-time job I hate, but that pays well and will look good on a resume? What do you guys do? Thanks, Jane. It's not too old to go back to school, but I understand we all have anxiety about school. I'm not even in school and I have anxiety dreams about school. And you don't want to be, it's not fun to be like the old one in the class going back for that master's. My question to you is, you hate this job. Is it the content? Is it the subject of the job you hate or the actual job? Because you could get another job. Is it the thing that you're qualified to do you don't like and you need more education and you know you'll be happy? Is it that you are putting off getting a different job so you think, I'll just go get more education? Because some people do that. They become like professional students. Are you sure that if you get this education, you will be able to get your dream job? Are you sure that you can't get a different job now with the education you have? And I think you need to tap into what you are afraid about with going back to school. Is it the fear of being the eldest one in the class? Was school hard for you? Like, what is it? Do you just think it's gross because you're just old? What is it? I don't know what's upsetting you about it. Right. Is it really just you're worried how it looks? I mean, I think you're so dead on that like you're 27. It's too young to hate your job. If you could make a change that will make you like your job. I think the other piece of this question asking if you should go full-time school and do a part-time job. Can you support yourself like that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And also like, I don't know what's upsetting you about it. If you can do online classes, great. You don't have to see anyone. You don't have to be that old lady on campus. (laughs) 
But like for what it's worth, there was like a father of three in my like media class in film school. And like I partnered up with him immediately because I was like, this guy's going to do all the work. Like <laughs> nobody was like, ew, why is he here? <laughs> One of our recent question answers was it maybe in this episode, or last episode, someone who had just like gotten their master's in their yeah, 40s, it sounded like. You're also saying it's like two years of education or like four years. like Two to four. Two to four. So you don't, you know, I guess it depends on how fast you do it. Two is not that much time. Mm-mm. I guess the answer is in four years, that time will have passed regardless. You certainly don't want to start then. So I guess you need to answer all the questions we already asked because I can't, I can't really decide for you or tell you should do it without knowing like the issue. But those are the questions you should ask yourself. You sound very aware of, of what you're capable of and what can move your career forward. It doesn't sound, you're not like, I want to go get my master's in uh, poets from 1994. Like it sounds right. like it's, you figured out something that would move your career forward. What's the but problem? Dip your toe, do school and work. Maybe you don't want to be full-time student, but yeah, yeah. what's, I guess, what is your issue? That's follow up with us. Let us know. Yeah. Top of the curb. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. Uh, my top of the cob, and I can't believe I didn't say this before, was that while we were in Maui, I a fan reached out and told me that there was a program put on by the Maui Humane Society where it's called Beach Buddy. And you basically like rent a rescue dog for the day. And I reached out. They wrote back. They gave me a list of dogs to pick from. I picked a dog that I thought was small but was actually very large. <laughs> His name was Arnie. And it was really cool because he wasn't like my type of dog. He had short hair. He was very skinny, probably secretly a pit mix. They didn't want to tell me. Um, and he was so sweet. And even though he didn't have the features of a dog that I would normally like, I absolutely fell in love with what a sweet boy he was. And we took a nap on my bed. And that was so oh. special as a, as a woman just getting an animal to trust you. And I was excited because we took him for chicken and I took him for a puppuccino and we just had a little day with him. And I'd like to think that someone at my show maybe came and adopted him. I don't know that yet. Or at the very least, people are aware of this program, but it was a very special thing to do. Um, I did get a call from the condo where I was staying and I was told we can't have dogs, but then I just called the person who hooked it up and they were like, it's totally fine. But we were definitely like shut in with like the blinds drawn closed. I was like, don't move Arnie. But it was very sweet. And it was sweet to get to do that for him. So here's to you, Arnie. You were my top of the cold. Yeah. Sweet man. Full face. Please write in if you've adopted Arnie. I would know. They would let me know. He hasn't been adopted. But but it'll happen. Go adopt him right now. Do you want to name the rescue? It was Maui Humane Society on Maui. Okay. Perfect. My top of the cob is there are certain things that when I see them, it's okay. I saw, I follow like various conventions in the Atlanta area, like horror conventions and stuff. And they said, they announced Natasha Henstridge is coming to this Atlanta Days of the Dead. And there are certain names like that when I see it, like it makes me smile because it's someone that you would say, uh, I'm a fan of. Like when you name a, like when you pull out a really specific reference, there are names like that that I'm just like, oh, if Eliza saw this picture of this person, she would know immediately like, oh, I bet Emily's a fan of hers. And that just makes me smile. Oh, I love that. Sorry. It's a vibe. Uh, You like a very thin fit femme fatale. You do. She she was in species. 
Okay, fan top of the cob. Hello, Eliza, Emily, and the crew. This is my first time writing in. I want to share my top. My top of the cob is that as a very early birthday gift to myself, I bought a VIP G ticket to your show in Milwaukee in September. Yes. I am so excited to meet you, and it doesn't really feel real yet, but I'll be honest. I'm also extremely nervous. Thank you for being a role model. I always wanted and needed. See you in September, Martina. Martina, don't be nervous because you'll be nervous and then the interaction will be over and you'll be like, why did I, why did I do? Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that show in Milwaukee. It's one of three shows that kick off the continental start of the Hard Feelings Tour. And we always have a great time in Milwaukee. So we're coming to you. That's very sweet. Thank you. It will be wonderful. And you'll see me up close and you'll see what my makeup looks like up close. And you'll be like, wow, that's a lot of stage makeup. And I'll be like, I do my best. My bottom of the cob, I'll go last. You go first. Okay, my bottom of the cop is when technology makes your life worse. I told everybody that I didn't have my heater right. Um, but now the problem is my heater is a machine. And so it's like, we're doing eco. And right now we've made your air go off because it's 3.17 p.m. And usually you're gone at this time. So the heat, the air conditioning is off. And I have to tell the app, no, I'm here. I'm hot. <laughs> got to flex your power. We all got to do our part. But yeah, that's, I'm here. I'm hot. Help. It's like, no, you are not here. You are nothing. <laughs> My app does constantly tell me you're away and I have to go and I'm like, no, I'm at home. I'm always I'm at home. Here. I'm Emily. I'm a real person. <laughs> and the What's fan the bottom of the cob. I was bottom? helping. <laughs> this is from Nicole, who's written in a few times, but figured she'd stop being anonymous. My bottom of the cob is I was helping go. stock the cooler at work and dropped a whole case of pops in a six pack and one of the packs smacked me in the face, busted on the ground, leaving five till they bust open another with the step stool. Shaking my head, FTP. I don't know what SMH FTP is. Probably shaking my head for the fuck. people. Fuck that. Fuck Please? that pop. Fuck that pop. <laughs> that pops. Uh, that's awful to drop. I thought you were saying on your foot. I don't know how you drop it on. Maybe you're lifting it above you. Soda everywhere. You got to clean it up. Y'all sticky. Beer. He's running at you. Oh, it's beer. That's Pops. even worse. Popsed. Papsed, Emily. Papsed. I'm so sorry. Papsed. Come on. You're a millennial. Papsed. Papsed. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, my bottom of the cob is the large fake eyelash trend. I have never seen an intelligent person wear a strip of oversized, thick tarantula lashes. I believe it is an indication of intelligence. I think it just, it's, a, it's just a sign that you don't know what the fuck is going on. Fake eyelashes are there to enhance your eye shape, make your eyes look bigger. And people wear these like miniature umbrellas and it just looks like you got like an old issue of your mom's magazine and you're just trying on something. And people who have those are always dumb people. We're talking the ones where it's just like droopy eye. And I'm like, are you able to drive or look up? And yeah. it's just another thing in women's fashion that like encumbers your movement. I feel the same way about really long nails. I really think, and look, look, I have, my nails are done. They've got gel on them. But when they get too long to type, I cut them. You see these women who like get by just fine, but they're manipulating their hands opening things differently. And I'm like, your life is being altered in a weird way. So you can have nails that like, I get that it's not even about turning on men, but like, is it just about making your life less convenient? And you're being told that you look like, like cool. I just refuse to do stuff like that. You want to wear a pair of Spanx. You want to wear a tight outfit, fine. But like altering, forever altering your appearance. So you have to do everything sideways. 
The nail thing, I could understand because it does change you and you do feel fierce, but the eyelash thing is just fucking dumb. Yeah. Done. All right, folks, you're hearing this. This is uh, toward the end of August. Coming home from New Zealand soon. Hot updates on all of that. Kia ora. And uh, we heading kicking off the uh, Our Feelings Tour. Chicago, Milwaukee, and Grand Rapids, and of course the rest of the continental United States. And then we're headed to you, Europe, for most of December because I got to hit up those Christmas markets. But remember, it's not what Tianfu says, it's what Tianfu means. Oh, meets. <laughs> it's what she means. Hello, everyone. It's Andy Richter here to tell you the exciting news that we are back with new episodes of my podcast, Three Questions with Andy Richter. We have got a great group of upcoming guests, including some that I've been waiting a long time to talk to, including Jake Johnson, John Lovett, Caitlin Riley, Bobby Lee, Ashley Ray, and Ted Danson. So I'm very psyched for you to hear where they're from, where they're going, and what they've learned. And it leads to some really surprising, heartfelt, and pretty funny moments. So what are you waiting for? Go to the three questions with Andy Richter, wherever you get your podcast now, new episodes every Tuesday.